Hey, I've got some exciting news for you. For nearly a decade, the Social Media Marketing Society has been helping marketers like you to keep up with the changing times. This is our private community just for marketers, and the doors are open right now. When you join, you get access to ongoing training and become part of a welcoming community of marketers who are just like you. Learn more at smmarketingsociety.com. Again, smmarketingsociety.com. Welcome to the Social Media Marketing Podcast, helping you navigate the social media jungle. And now, here is your host, Michael Stelzner. Hello, hello, hello. Thank you so much for joining me for the Social Media Marketing Podcast, brought to you by Social Media Examiner. We believe that with smart marketing, you can compete with the largest players in your industry. I'm your host, Michael Stelzner, and this is the podcast for marketers and business owners who want to know what works with social media. Today, I'm going to be joined by Tim Smoyer, and we're going to talk about how to use story. And not just how to use story in any capacity, but how to use it in your videos and specifically in your videos on YouTube. This episode is one of those episodes that you may want to listen to more than once. I believe you're absolutely going to love it. By the way, I'm at Stelzner on Instagram. And if you're new to this podcast, be sure to follow this show so you do not miss any of our future content. We've got some great guests coming your way. I've got a question for you. Did your business transition to e-commerce sales during the pandemic? Are you looking for an easier way to scale your e-commerce sales? If so, you should explore the Wix e-commerce platform. It's an omni-channel solution that manages all of your offline and online customer transactions in a single powerful dashboard. Now all your customer data, sales inventory, delivery and fulfillment, and marketing are powered by a single platform, the Wix e-commerce platform. From a single dashboard, you can manage your CRM, email marketing, SMS marketing, live chat, automation, all customer communications, and more. Plus, Facebook ads by Wix leverages artificial intelligence to learn about your audience and then run and optimize your Instagram and Facebook ads for you. With this one feature alone, Wix e-commerce customers average a 1,000% return on ad spend and 40% have doubled their sales. Join more than 700,000 active Wix e-commerce stores. Here's your next step. Go to Wix.com slash e-commerce and get started creating your store. Again, Wix.com slash e-commerce. You support this podcast by checking out our sponsors. Hey, I've got a quick question for you. Is your influencer marketing process a complete mess? Are you frustrated trying to jump between emails, direct messages, text messages, and ever-changing spreadsheets? What if you could eliminate the chaos and instead focus your valuable time on finding high-quality influencers and proving your ROI? Your solution is Tagger, the leading end-to-end influencer marketing platform that's actually easy to use. Here's what Tagger does for you. Number one, it literally handles everything. Use Tagger to sign contracts, review content, loop in collaborators, activate campaigns, and pay influencers. Number two, 
Tagger's discovery tool finds you quality creators fast. Gone is your hunt for talent. Want to find influencers who have an affinity for your brand? Check. Or influencers who work with your competitors? Check. Number three, easily track and report ROI. Tiger tracks earned media value, compares influencers side by side, measures engagement and growth, and much, much more. Plus, Tiger supports influencers on all the major social platforms, including Facebook, Instagram, YouTube, Twitter, Twitch, Pinterest, and TikTok. Want to see how it works? Go to taggermedia.com slash SME and hit the request demo button. You'll get a live customized demo that shows you how Tagger will simplify your influencer marketing process and make you look like a rock star. Again, visit taggermedia.com slash SME. You support this show by checking out our sponsors. Let's transition over to this week's interview with Tim Schmoyer. Helping you to simplify your social safari. Here is this week's expert guide. Today, I'm very excited to be joined by Tim Smoyer. If you don't know who Tim is, you need to know. He's a YouTube strategist and founder of Video Creators, an agency that helps establish YouTube creators rapidly grow their YouTube following. He's also host of the Video Creators podcast, which I strongly recommend. And his course is called Video Labs. Tim, welcome back to the show. Hey, thanks. Good to be here. Super excited to have you, man. So today, Tim and I are going to explore how to boost your YouTube videos uh, using story and a framework that really Tim has figured out. And if you're into story and you're into videos or you're wondering why your videos aren't working, then you're just definitely going to want to stick around for what we're going to talk about today. As a matter of fact, that's a really good transition to my very first question. <laughs> it's like you planned that. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> that was good. Yeah. I know. So many of us who have created videos and have, you know, decently done it a few times, you know, we've had a lot of failures, you know, and we think we know what we're doing and we think we know it should work, but it doesn't. So let's start with like, what are some of the missing core elements to videos that don't work? Cause I'm sure you get asked this question all the time, Tim. Oh yeah. Yeah. And I had the struggle myself when I was first getting started on YouTube uh, back in 2006, you know, over 15, 16 years ago. And that was even before people were watching YouTube. Like what's the difference between these videos that are going viral and getting big and massive traction and these ones that like are just falling flat and not going anywhere and no one is watching. And there's a lot of different things to consider. Like for example, like the title and thumbnail, right? Like it doesn't matter how amazing your content is if no one's enticed to click on it in the first place. Like the video could be great, but if the pitch for it, the sale for it, you know, is just kind of lame, it's not creating, sparking curiosity in the viewer's brain. It's not creating tension that prompts them to want to find out what happens next. Like just no one's going to click on it. Right. Let me ask you this question about that. Um, what do you yeah. think is more important, the thumbnail or the title, if you had to choose? Uh, I feel like a chicken or egg kind of thing. I mean, they, they work together. The title is a great opportunity to give it a, like a subject, to give it some text. And the thumbnail is a great opportunity to complement the, the title with a visual. And so you use the two. It's like an Instagram photo with a caption is kind of what it is. It's like the two work together to hopefully spark curiosity and get that viewer to be like, oh my gosh, like is that for real? Or how does that work? Or if it's just like merely describing the content, 
eh, you know, there's not going to be as much tension in that viewer's brain to prompt them to want to click and want to watch. So the two of them really go together. Can't have one without the other. It seems to me as if, if it's true that a picture conveys a thousand words, that the right kind of thumbnail could get to the brain, parts of the brain that are the decision-making parts of the brain, potentially faster than reading the words. It could, yeah, but you could have a great thumbnail, but without the context that the title provides, it's just confusing, you know, or or doesn't make sense, right? So I think the caption, or in our case, the title is pretty important too. You need both of them. Okay, so if your videos aren't doing very well, the good news is you can change the thumbnails, right? I mean, you can can actually, yeah. You can change the title even if it's not performing very well. Those Those are two factors, but my understanding is, don't change the title before you change the thumbnail. Yeah, try changing the thumbnail first. It's usually the bigger knob, the bigger lever you can tweak first. I mean, you can tweak the title, but we've seen that if you're tweaking both the title and the thumbnail at the same time, it's hard to know like when it works, why it worked. And then it's hard to reproduce the success when you fit, when you get something that works if you don't know why. So we usually do one at a time so that when it starts working, we have a better idea of what actually made the difference so that we can reproduce it more effectively across other videos. So yeah, absolutely change titles and thumbnails if it's not working. The other thing a lot of people overlook in terms of why their content might not be working is maybe the title and thumbnail is on point, but the opening seconds are just not (laughs) enticing either. So I I just did a couple of sessions today with clients and uh, it was a very common conversation that, that I have, which is like the title thumbnail pitch, nine different RVs that have toilets in them or something, a bathroom or something like that. And so the video opens saying like, hey, welcome to our church channel. Great to have you guys here. Today, we want to look at nine different RVs that have bathrooms in them, you know, and I'm like, I know. That's why I clicked. That's why I'm here. Right? It doesn't increase the tension I'm feeling to, to hold my attention. Instead, it's just kind of like, yes, I already know. I have that information already. And when they repeat the title, the thumbnail, in the opening seconds, that typically when you see a pretty high abandonment rate in the opening seconds in your audience retention graphs on YouTube. So we try to use the title and thumbnail as the hook. And then the opening seconds are crafted to intentionally pick up where the title and thumbnail left off and increase the curiosity that viewer has to hold their attention even longer and get them into the actual story that they're hopefully about to experience in that content itself. Well, you know, and I can imagine an opening like this, bathrooms are important, but one is the king of them all. Stick around and find out, right? (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, that's better. Yeah, because now what you're teasing is like, you're taking a step further saying one of these is best and you're going to find out. So you could be curious like, oh, which one is best? That's a little bit more tension. Right. And I'm not saying that's ideal, but it's definitely an improvement over the alternative, which is just rambling, right? Yeah. Or maybe instead it should open with them actually like trying to fit into a bathroom in an RV where like the ceiling is just too low or there's like no elbow room, like show the struggle. And now that, that might be even more tension, a little bit more curiosity. Like which one is that? I want to make sure I don't buy that one, that RV, you know? So, well, um, this is fascinating because you and I were just at an event, uh, vid summit recently. Mm -hmm. And one of the things that I took home uh, after listening to Mr. Beast, I don't know if you heard him or not, but his openings are really tight. I'm talking like really short, you know? So we bring people in studio and film with them. And we just filmed five videos yesterday with one of our experts. And I really tighten up those openings to like be literally just one sentence. You know what I mean? Where they used to be like a paragraph. 
it's so important because you mentioned it's the drop-off, right? Like if that video is not watched, they're not going to show it to as many people, right? Isn't that kind of the, the reason why this is so important? Yeah, if the higher the abandonment, the less watch time you have, the less likely YouTube is to surface that video. And I heard that session by Mr. Beast, and I think he was spot on. But I think maybe what he maybe could have been communicated a little bit better is that it's not about the brevity, although that is certainly a part of it. But it's more about the clarity is what he what I heard him saying. Like, don't do short just for the sake of short, because short, you could leave out a lot of information and be confusing at that point. He's like, let's take what this is what the idea is and let's boil it down to this most clarifying statement in a way that creates intrigue and people are like, really? Like this is going to happen? Like you're going to buy all the cars in this parking lot and give them away <laughs> or like whatever? Like that is making it as clarity, I think, in a way that creates tension is what he does really well. And that's kind of what we're talking about here. So not short just for the sake of sort, but doing what you need to do to help the person be like, I'm in the right spot. I want to see what happens next. Very cool. All right. So let's get into story because obviously you've kind of hinted a little bit with tension and some of this kind of stuff. Yeah. But first of all, before we talk about like the elements that go into a good story on a video, let's start with why story is so important. Many marketers understand at a conceptual level that they are attracted to story, but they may not understand exactly why it works so well. So maybe you could explain a little bit about that. Yeah, story can do a lot to really help us not just understand information, but it gets us to feel something about that information. And if you want more watch time on your videos and get people to watch longer, spend more time watching like watching future videos that you publish, you want them to be more likely to hit subscribe, to enable that bell icon, to come back. But they don't usually do that, viewers, because they're like, wow, this was the best information I've ever heard. Sometimes they do, but there is a lot of competition now. There's a lot of people on YouTube just communicating information. And information is helpful, it's valuable, but the thing that gets people like, to really keep watching and want to watch more and come back for more is the feeling. I feel something with this person, with this individual. We will call that like influence. You know, I, I think that the term influence is thrown around a lot right now in social media worlds. I think there's a difference between having influence and being an influencer. Those are not necessarily the same thing. What we're going after as marketers is not necessarily trying to be an influencer. We're trying to have influence over our customers, over how they feel about our brand and about our product. And when I say like, having influence. What that means to me is like the ability to persuade someone's mind, to motivate their will, or maybe guide someone's actions. It's like, I want to be able to have some sort of influence over what this person's thinking and feeling and what they're going to do next as a result. So story is just a really good way of doing that, of creating the emotion and having that influence in a way that can really have a huge impact on growing people's channels. We have extensively tested this in a lot of different ways. Actually, one of the, the biggest tests I did was at Social Media Marketing World a few years ago out there in, in San Diego. I took a bunch of the speakers that you mm -hmm. had, Mike, and I, I took nine of them. And I shot two interviews in the exact same location with each of them. And with each person, I would ask, first of all, I'd do a video, like three tips to 
accomplish this thing. And then the next video was, tell me the story of how you accomplished this thing. So the content itself in each video was very, very similar, but the video where the speaker at your event was saying, this is how I accomplish this thing versus the how to accomplish this thing got at least double the views, quadruple the watch time and quadruple the engagement in the comments over the nine different tests that we did with that. That was kind of my first like, oh my goodness, like it's not just the content, it's how the content is communicated and how it resonates with the viewers on an emotional level. And then we've done a lot of testing since then, which I don't necessarily need to get into, but it has all confirmed the exact same thing of like, story is powerful and it's like one of the best things we can do to really to really uh, accomplish those things with our audience so i like story because it does three main things for us as a creator and as a, as a marketer it allows us one it's the best way to help our viewer actually experience something as if like they can't be there for what actually happened. But telling a story has been shown that's the next best thing for helping someone feel the emotions and experience what it would have been like to actually be there for that thing. So when you can't actually get your viewer or your customer to be there, stories are the next best thing for that. The other secret thing has like this, the secret sauce of it has this Trojan horse effect, which is people are naturally resistant to change and when you're introducing something that might potentially feel like like it poses a threat, there are people are on high alert for that. But when you tell a story really well, it lowers people's defenses. And instead of like leaning forward, they start leaning back in their chairs and they start like just like listening and enjoying. They become more passive and they, while engaging more when a story is told. So it's a good way to penetrate, have that Trojan horse effect into the, what they're feeling. And then the final thing is it has a huge like impact on brain chemistry. Like when you tell a story really well, it releases certain chemicals into the brain that create these reactions that they tap into our very wiring as humans. So for example, dopamine is, you know, a drug I think we're familiar with, like that is associated with suspense or some sort of invitation to novelty. And so the results of that, if people get a dopamine hit while they're watching your videos, it increases their focus, it increases their motivation and it increases their memory which those are all things that we really want to happen when people are watching our content on YouTube. We want them to increase like their focus on our content. We want them to feel more motivated to take the action we want them to take. We want to be more memorable to them. So story helps release dopamine. It also releases oxytocin, which is associated with like empathy and vulnerability and, and pity. And so the results of that on our content is people become more generous. They become more trusting and they build a deeper bond with the creator or with the brand or with the, the person in the video. Those are also things like we really want those things to happen with our audience. It releases endorphins, which is associated with laughter, like having a good time. And the result of that when people are watching our content is that they feel more creative, they feel more relaxed, and they feel more focused, which is, again, like who doesn't want people to feel more relaxed and focused when they're watching 
videos. Another chemical is phenamethine. I think is how you say it. I think it's PEA is what it's called for short. I think so. Did I get it? Phenamethine. Yeah. It's, it's the happiness drug. It's like, it makes people feel happy. It puts them in a good mood. And often it's associated with like this desire for more. They want another hit. And so when someone hears a good story from you on YouTube or any content really in social media anywhere, you want that viewer to like have increased focus and feel more motivated and you want to be more memorable. Do you want them to feel more generous and more trusting and bond with you as a brand? You want them to feel more creative, more relaxed, more focused. You want them to be in a good mood and the desire to get like another video and another video, get another hit. Like that is the power of what stories do. So when we're working with clients and they're like, yeah, well, why should I tell stories? I don't really get it. We go through this and it really turns into like, well, why? don't you tell stories, you know, like people have all these excuses. They think it's a gift. They think it's just like magic. They confuse what they think a story is just like a series of events or the story needs to look a certain way, all these things, which really holds us back. But telling a story is like, I think the most powerful thing that really helps us connect with our audience. And we can see it run the analytics and there's a lot of ways to do that, but maybe we'll get into, but the, the chemistry of this is really, really important. And I think confirms a lot of our suspicions about why story is so powerful in the first place. You know, many years ago, Mitch, who works for me, who you know, filmed me running around the office with a bunch of my crew and we made this little mini documentary called The Journey and we published it on Facebook. I remember that. And we published it on YouTube yeah. and we published it on LinkedIn, I think. And it was just two seasons and it was about the impossible journey of us trying to meet our goals for social media marketing world. And we would go through the everything that you could ever imagine that went wrong. And then we would culminate with the conference and maybe the after party. We only did it for two seasons. We didn't have a huge amount of people watching it, but... Here's the thing. When I was at Vid Summit 2021, and it's been years since I've done this, I had three different people come up to me and say, I remember the journey. I love that show. Yes. And you know what? There's been a side of me that wants to do something with story. And I'm like, I just told a story, by the way, everybody, right? I decided to tell a story. But the truth is that you can tell a story. You don't have to do a docu-series, right? You can do all sorts of different things. The challenge is knowing how to tell a story, right? And I think that if everybody yeah. listens to what Tim is going to tell us next, which is going to be the most important part of all this, right? So hopefully up to this point, you're sold on the value of story. You were latched in on the story I was telling and the story we were telling earlier. Then there's something here. You know, there's something here. And if you can just figure out what exactly you're going to do with story, it can be pretty amazing. So let's dig into your framework because, you know, I know you've got a process. Yeah. And if you want to comment on the story I told, you know, it was pretty much just off the top of my head. It was probably missing some of the framework elements, but let's talk about what is your process? Because I feel like once people wrap their head around this, then they're going to be like thinking of all sorts of possible applications. Yeah. And I want to encourage people who are listening who are like, Tim, come on, I'm not trying to tell a story. I just freaking make videos about taxes, you know, or I just teach people about how to use spreadsheets or something. I'm just trying to teach people. So I want you to like, yeah, hang in there. We'll talk about this because this is absolutely like applicable, whether you're an entertainment brand or an educational brand or whatever your content might be like this applies because it's a human thing. Like people connect not over information. We connect over like emotional connections and stories with each other. So what I hear you say is it doesn't matter what you're in the business of, right? No, it doesn't. Whether you're an auto mechanic or whether you are a coach or whether you sell like nuts and bolts that go inside of uh, 
equipment. That's right. All these things have the, the angle and the possibility for you to develop story and thus be successful. That's what I'm hearing you say, right? Yes. Okay. Yes. Now we might need to help some people think about story differently because that's one of the things that holds them back is we think, when we think story, we think major motion picture films. We think Hollywood. We think about these grand like life or death types of things. You're like, I'm just trying to sell nuts and bolts, (laughs) right? And so maybe we'll go through this framework and we'll come back to kind of explaining how this works in that context, but, and maybe give some examples as well. But the people who are buying from us are people. Like it's a human connection thing, not like a B2B or B2C type of thing. So, yeah. So when we work through this with with clients, just worked through this with one of them today, uh, actually, we try to help them understand, like give them a framework for how do I actually understand this? Now, I want to be clear. I didn't make this up. I'm not that smart. I took what I've, I've learned from people like Joseph Campbell, who put together the hero's journey and which is a, a story that Western societies really, really gravitate towards and just tweaked it and modified and took his framework and made it work for like something that's really practical for us as creators. So my goal is like anyone listening to this can take this and you can take your very next video better if you follow this framework. Now, wait a minute. Let's go through one question at a time though, because I want to keep everybody to the end. Okay. So let's not reveal all seven of them yet. Let's go through each of them one at a time and then we'll tie it all together. I like how you're using tension. Yes, of course. Good job. (laughs) Go ahead. (laughs) Yeah. So question number one is who is the character? Okay. Now we'll use motion picture films right now, just because everyone I think like goes there in their head when they think story. So we'll just kind of point out some of the, use it to point out some of the obvious, but every story has to start with a character. And one of the mistakes a lot of creators make on YouTube is they don't even start with the basic fundamental of who is the character. Is it you, the person on screen? If you're a big brand like Disney, is it Mickey Mouse? Like, or is it an inanimate object? Like whatever it is, it just has to be clear, especially if it's like a channel has multiple hosts on it. Like, even Hollywood doesn't try to have multiple characters. Like there's always one character and multiple supporting characters, but there has to be one primary character. So don't try to overcomplicate it. Keep it simple. And who is the main character of this story? Generally speaking, if you're doing a video and it's you speaking to the camera, would you be the character? Is that the idea? Yes. Yeah. I've tried it other ways where we tried to make the viewer the character. We've tried to make like a guide figure, kind of like the expert be the character. It's just simplest and easiest and works the best when whoever's like, if you're an on uh, talking head type of channel, you're the character. And I think the reason why it works the best that way is because when the viewer clicks on the thumbnail or the title, they're not coming into the video with the expectation of like, I'm going to watch a story about me, (laughs) right? Whoever's on the thumbnail, they're clicking with the expectation of seeing that person's story. And so it works. There's less friction to just roll with it that way. And it also makes for an easier story to tell. So yeah, there's who's the character. Well, let me ask you one clarifying question. Let's say you're telling a story about somebody else. Are they the character and you're the narrator? Do you understand? Like you're talking about a client. Yeah, you can, but I think it works better. And this is probably gets into some okay. next level stuff, but it works better if you tell the story from your perspective. So you're telling like you're the fly on the wall observing someone else's story. So it's still your story. From your um, eyes. I got it. Okay, but, got it. 
Okay. Yes. Yeah. So you're more like you're the camera on that, on someone okay. else's story. Cool. And tell it that way. All right. So the first thing is what, who is the character? Typically it's going to be whoever's talking yep. to the camera. Okay. What's next? Yeah. So question number one, who's the character? And question number two is what do they want? What does the character want? Every story revolves around desire. And I want you guys who are listening to like just practice this when you're reading a book or you're watching a movie or a sitcom or even a Mr. Beast video. Like it doesn't doesn't matter. Like what does the character want? And I want you to listen for like just how many times the character in the beginning of the story will just flat out say what they want. Like they don't try to do anything fancy or tricky. The character will be like, you know, I just really want that girl to notice me. You know, or, or that guy just needs to die or whatever. Like there's a, there's a point in the beginning of the story where the character just flat out states, this is what I want. And now the rest of the story revolves around, well, does the character get what they want or not? And so don't try to hide it, do anything clever. Just make it clear and obvious. There's a character who wants something and uh, it's got to be clear. Let's think about how this would work if we're telling a story about something going on in the business, because that gets a little trickier. Like, I just wanted to solve this problem. I mean, is that really what we're talking about? Like, yeah. I was working on this yeah. and I couldn't figure it out. I mean, is that essentially, we overtly say something like that? So far, everything we've talked about, which is the character and the desire, those things can happen literally. Like you can accomplish both these in like a second or maybe three seconds max. Like all you have to do is you come on camera and say, I really want blank. Yeah. Hey guys, I love my business, but it's not profitable right now. I got to figure out how to make this profitable, right? Or I, I want to make figure out how to make it profitable. Like right there, like a, a sentence or two, you've already established who the character is and what they want. Got it. And if it's not something like profit, it could be like I was, you know, talking to one of my customers and they just didn't understand what I had to say, right? So that's kind of implying yeah. you want people to understand you. Yes. Mm -hmm. So when we think about these wants, do you have any tips or any techniques on how we ought to craft these wants strategically? No, I think the common mistake is people overcomplicate it. I see. Okay. And the other part that the, it's got to be simple. It's got to be clear. And it doesn't have to be life or death. It doesn't have to be the loss of love. You know, it just has to be like some of the most popular creators on, on YouTube. Um, let's take Casey Neistat, for example. I think a lot of marketers are familiar with his content. He literally said, like, I'm not doing a vlogging channel. I just wanted to see if I could create a three act structure of my life every day. Like he just wanted to like, could I tell a story? And so his stories are like, my drones on top of the roof. I want to get it back, you know, and the rest of the vlog is not life or death, but you get riveted to the story because the prince, all these principles are in that we're going to talk about are, are in his videos and it, go, it walks you through step by step and it just follows the right process. And so even though he has the money, he could just buy another drone. You don't care because you want to know you're hooked. You're like, this the story of there's a character who wants something and he quickly introduces some of these elements we're about to talk about next. So, so far we've only talked about character and desire, but that happens soup. And the next ones all happen within like five seconds too. It goes really quick. So just a couple more thoughts here. Yeah. I know if we can match what I want with what my audience wants are, maybe that would be even better. For example, I know so many marketers listening right now want more exposure or they want more sales, right? Mm -hmm. So I would imagine I could tell a story about how I was trying to do something with the hope that I would increase my sales, mm -hmm. right? Yep. So 
does it make sense to try to match the want with the audience's want? Or are you saying any want can actually work as long as it's, you know, a want? That's what I'm asking. Desire. Yeah, it depends on the goal of the video. Yeah. If it's a sales video, it needs to align with the desire of the viewer, right? Right. But if it's like just a relationship building video and just building that goodwill, building some of that reputation, the desire could be anything. And so far we've been talking about extrinsic desires, but the more powerful ones are usually internal. It's like, I will feel lonely or I just don't want to feel alone or I feel insecure or I'm afraid. Like those internal desires can actually be even stronger and they'll play themselves out, obviously, physically in front of us in different ways. But when we start with the emotion, typically that can be pretty powerful too. Okay. Who's the character? What do they want? What's next? Yeah. Who's the character? What do they want? And then why can't they have what they want? Like, what are the obstacles that the, this person is facing? Do we have an example we're using through this whole thing? I think we've used several different ones. I just talked about how I tried to create a docu-series and it didn't really get a lot of views. So we could use that as an example. But it created a lot of emotional connection. And I think the views probably could have been fixed with some titles and thumbnail stuff, actually. Yeah. But in opening hooks. But yeah. We could use that or we could pick another example, but it doesn't really matter. You can just choose any example out of the ether. Like think about one of your customers, you know, you've coached some people. What are some of the things that you've done with them? Yeah. Well, I had this conversation twice today already and I'm not sure if I should use them or if they would want me to or not. Just don't use their name, but use the example. Let's say like, who is the the character? What do they want? Why can't they have with what they want? So right. I know I'll use a guy. His name's Justin Rhodes. He's a friend of mine on YouTube. He's almost to 1 million subscribers and he has a channel. Uh, it's all about homesteading and what homesteading is like, you know, you're basically have your own mini farm on your property, uh, sustainability, that type of stuff is what those people are going after. And he could easily just make a tutorial. We'll use this video as an example through this thing. Most people just make a tutorial in terms of like, here's how you move your chickens from this part of the field to this part of the field. Step one, step two, step three, step four. And that video would go nowhere just because there's nothing emotional happening there. But instead, he'll say, I need to move my chickens from this part of the field to this part of the field, comma, but use buts like that. Like, so you already know who the character is, you know, their desire, but, and now he's going to introduce obstacles. It's about to rain. It's supposed to thunderstorm in about 15 minutes is coming in. I've got to get these chickens across this road and a truck could come by at any time while the chickens are going across and like totally, you know, kill all the chickens. I'm going to need help from my kids, but they're in a bad, another but, but they're in a bad mood today. So just keep putting the butts in there. And that will make it a little easier to introduce those. <laughs> so they can't have what they want in this case because of the thunderstorm and the lack of availability of the kids. That's really what I'm hearing you say. That's the obstacles, right? Yep. And all that happens so far in about five, six seconds, right? You know, the character, the desire, we know the obstacles really quickly. Okay. So this is really important. No obstacle, no challenge, no story, right? I mean, that's the whole point, right? Like, or you could have a story, but it's not going to be as good of a story, right? Like nobody cares about moving chickens yeah. if there isn't 
something actually interesting about the fact that these chickens are being moved, right? The other obstacle could be that the chickens are like, have a mind of their own and they're not going to follow instructions, <laughs> right? <laughs> well, that's true. I, ha I do have chickens, so <laughs> I know that is very true. <laughs> I mean, that could be a legit obstacle, right? <laughs> we actually just tried this last weekend and I think about it. We tried to move our chickens from one part of our property to another and it took a few hours until I texted this guy, Justin, <laughs> and like 15 minutes later, it was all done. I'm like, man, I should have texted you a lot earlier. So how many obstacles should we have? I mean, we don't need a ton, it sounds like, but a couple. No, you don't need a lot. Okay. And the other thing too is the obstacles don't have, again, don't have to be life or death. They don't have to be huge. In this case, it might be the chicken's death, but it doesn't have to be huge. And I know Justin well enough to know that when I watch that video, I'm like, no, he knows what he's doing. The likelihood of any of that happening is really, really low. But I'm still intrigued. Like, but you're right. It could happen, you know? And so I still watch out of curiosity. Well, this is what's great. Yeah. So there you go. So this is taking a what would be a normal, eh, okay video and making it more interesting because people are there for the story, but they might learn something along the way is what I'm hearing you say. Right. Yeah. And that is exactly what he's doing. Like he doesn't, you learn how to do homesteading by watching his story. And he does such a, he's just so good. So he's a good example of this. So yeah. That's exactly it. So other examples of why, like in the marketing realm, if let's just say uh, we were picking a random marketing story, like we want to improve our visibility, okay, on the social platforms and uh, we're a marketer working for a company, right? Well, one of the reasons we can't have it is because we don't have a budget, right? Or the algorithm is repressing everything that we do. Those are actual legit things that every marketer would relate to, right? Or I don't have time to create the strategy or plan necessary to achieve X, Y, Z, right? Those are all examples of obstacles that are a little more ethereal or less like physical, but still are obstacles nonetheless, right? Yeah. Yep. Yeah. And, and they could be internal. Like I don't have the skills to get to this, to this next level. I don't level. have the motivation. Yeah. <laughs> right? yeah. I'm tired. Like, so, I mean, every yeah. brand has different probably guidelines on what would be brand safe and how far they can go with like personal stories and stuff like that, because you do risk, you know, if you do this well <laughs> and the audience all connects with one person on a deep level, now you have a lot of equity kind of wrapped up in that one person, right? But and there's ways to mitigate yeah. that, which probably outside the scope of our conversation here, but right. yeah, just, just obstacles. Okay. So we're still in the first like 10 seconds here of the story, really, Not right? Even. Like who's the character? What do they want? Yeah, the <laughs> next one goes is still in the first couple seconds. Um, in fact, yeah. in the example I gave with Justin, he did it. I just haven't pointed out what he did yet, which is question number four. And that is what's at stake if the character doesn't get what they want? So who's the character? What do they want? Why can't they have what they want? What's at stake if they don't get it? And so what Justin said in that video is... We have 15 minutes to do this and we got to go across. And if we don't do it at the right time, a truck could come by and, and kill all our chickens. So that's what's at stake. I see. And he says all of that. And I remember watching that video and it was like 15 seconds in, I clicked pause and I started laughing to myself. I'm like, he is so freaking good at this. And I just texted him. I'm like, oh my gosh, like, I can't believe like I'm 15 seconds in and I'm hooked. Even though I know the likelihood of your chickens dying is really, really low, but I'm like, but, but you got me. I just, you know, I got to watch this now. I like so, that. Yeah. So even like another example could be like the sun is setting and, and I'm going to have uh, coyotes coming out after exactly. my chickens, you know, yeah, yeah. or it could be like in the marketer's example, my job's on the line. Right. Or, you know, we're not going to meet our launch date or whatever. Right. Or, you know, we're not going to meet our business objectives if I don't get this right. Right. And 
if that happens, then this happens. I would imagine in the same way, but, 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 you know, uh, in the beginning about like, why they can't have what they want. You could do what's at stake is a truck could hit the chickens and this could happen. Yeah. You know, you could agitate it a little bit if you wanted to. Right. Yeah. One of the mistakes a lot of creators and marketers make is when they tell a story, they use the word and a lot. This happened and then this happened and then this happened and then this happened. And that isn't nearly as intriguing. If you don't know the story, if I said this happened, but then this happened, but then this happened, but then this happened, like it's just an ands to a but now you're automatically more intrigued because it's it's teasing tension. It's, it's teasing conflict. And so a story often gets confused as a sequence of events. And that is not a story. This happened, then this happened, then this happened although it might be truthful, doesn't really hold anyone's attention. But if it's this happened, but then this happened, or this happened, just changing the ands to buts can really add a lot of momentum to the stories. So at the stake level, should we just focus on one big stake instead of multiple stakes? Yeah, you can. Yeah. Like he could say either they're going to get hit by a truck or they're going to get snatched up by coyotes, right? That's right. Yeah. And again, they don't have to be that big. So in the case of Casey Neistat with his drone example, there wasn't like huge stakes other than like his pride, you know, and, and right. like, can I do this? I don't want to feel defeated by a drone when I can see it right there. And I think I can get it. Like it was, it, that was an internal stake, which is totally fine too. Yeah. Yeah. I'm going to look like a fool could be a stake, right? Because I've been doing this for 10 years, but I've yeah. never done it across a busy road or something like that. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So who's the character? What do they want? Why can't they have what they want? What's at stake? That's the fourth one. What's the fifth one? Yeah. Who or what comes along and helps the character do what they couldn't do before? This is the uh -huh. role of the guide. And I want to emphasize that it's a what as well. So sometimes it doesn't have to be like a Gandalf or Obi-Wan Kenobi or something like that. It's like, oh, then I did this search on Google and found this thing or I purchased this tool. Oh, who or what? I get it. Yeah. It could be like in the chicken scenario, as he was starting to cross the road, he could have found a long pole, yeah. right? Or something. Or the net. And now he got it, you know? Ah, okay. Got it. Again, don't overthink too many of these things. Like keep it simple and you're going to have a better story. So let's say here's another tutorial educational example that I like. Another friend of mine is Brad. His channel is Fix This, Build That. And he's got like a million and a half subs or something like that. And he got there because he doesn't just make building tutorials. What he does is, again, he takes something that would normally be like, uh, do this, do this, do that, and then do this, and here you go. And he instead will open up the video and say something like, my wife really hates this dresser in our bedroom. She's away for the weekend. And I just want to curious, like, could I make a dresser that looks like this, which she really likes? Uh, I don't know if I can do it. I've never made it before, but she comes home in two days. Let's see if I can do it. Right. And mm. so now he goes through what would be the normal tutorial of like, here's what I do. I take this type of wood. I cut it here. But when he makes mistakes, he shows them. These are the obstacles. Oh, this tool cut the wrong way. Oh, I messed up this this thing. He'll increase stakes by saying this is wood that I've saved from my very first YouTube video. If I miscut this wood. I, I can't get it back. <laughs> so this is sentimental to me, this wood right here. But what you're really watching for is you're waiting for the reaction when the wife comes home at the end of the weekend. Like I learned how to make the dresser, but I really like want to see 
does she like it? Does she not like it? You know? And so he just takes, again, a normal educational video, be a tutorial and turns it like a bookend of a couple sentences on the front and the back of the video and turns it into a character who wants something, have desires and their stakes. And this guy's case, Brad, like he'll sometimes like, I didn't know how to fix this problem, how to make this locking mechanism work. So I called this friend who does this, you know, and this is what they told me to do. You know, he'll show a shot of him calling on the phone. Which I think sometimes as experts, we don't want to risk that type of vulnerability because we think that people won't buy our courses. They won't hire us as as coaches or whatever if we show like that we did something wrong or we made a mistake or we didn't know the answer to something. We think it erodes credibility, but it actually deepens trust that, oh, if you don't know something, you're not going to just make something up, right? <laughs> like you're going to get the answer so that it works. And so I know that risks and vulnerability, but I think it's the right thing to do. I love this. Yeah. If you're in business, the who could be someone else inside the company, right? That shows up, that provides a little wisdom, or it could just be something that you discover, right? Like in my case, I Googled and, you know, even though Google's not a person, it's a thing, right? But Google showed me something I didn't know before. And I and I discovered this and here's what I discovered, right? And that's kind of a key part of the story that makes it interesting is what I'm hearing you say. Yes. It's just not a super great story if you're like, hey, I really want something and I can't have it. Whoops, I got it. <laughs> you know? Yeah, there's got to be progression, right? That's what I'm right. hearing you say. Like there's stages that it goes through. And the stages are, I tried something different. I found something different. I found someone. That's what I'm hearing you say. Is that right? Yep, that's it. Yeah. Okay. So we've got, uh, who's the character? What do they want? Why can't they have it? What's at stake? Who or what helps them do what they could not do? What's next? Yeah. And so then number six is, how do they get what they want? Like there's a, if you're looking at it from a three act structure type of standpoint, it's the climax. This is, it's all leading up to this point. Do they, do they get what they want or not? And typically that should happen towards the end of the content, end of the story, end of the video. By the way, this is what makes good shorts on YouTube, good TikToks is like people who tell really good stories in 15 seconds. It's the exact same thing. So I'm, I say that to hopefully encourage people to think like a story doesn't have to look a certain way. It's not just Hollywood. Some of the best TikTok. In fact, we have a client um, today. We just working with. I just I told you this, Mike, but made a YouTube short and hit 35 million views on it today in a very short period of time. Right? Yeah, it was like uh, I got to bring up to you the exact time code, but it was like that 15 seconds or less video. I meant like in a matter of just weeks. Oh yeah, we started working with her a few months ago. She had 10,000 subs. She has 350,000 now. And this is her, by far her biggest video though, posted it yeah. last month and it's up to, yeah, 35 million views now. And, but she told a good story in 15 seconds. That's why it worked so well. So how do they get what they want is a little bit about, we were kind of teasing that a little bit when you were telling some of these other stories, right? Like the, the guy that you said who created the cabinet for his wife or whatever, right? The piece of furniture, the, the obviously how they got it sounds like it's like the culmination of, in his case, I built it. Here's the yes. final product. Is yep. that right? But okay. now you're still waiting for the last part, which we'll get to in a second, which is what his part of the story his wife fulfilled, which is like, how's she going to react? Just real quick. How do they get what they want? It sounds like if we combine, you know, who or what helps them do it and how do they get it? That's kind of the bulk of the story potentially, right? If it's a 10 minute video, I would imagine quite a bit of the story is going to be about the process of them trying to get what they want. Yeah. Am I right or am I wrong? No, that's that's absolutely right. So like another client of ours has a drawing tutorial channel and uh, he specializes in helping people draw realistic 
faces and portraits. And so his videos were getting about 10 to 20,000 views on average per video, just making these drawing tutorials. And then we worked with him through this process. His very next video he creates is called, um, he titles it, Two Beginners Instantly Improve, How to Draw What You See. And so he opens up, and I kind of am going to give away the number seven here in this process, which is that's okay. how is a character transformed? Like that's the point of the story is not, is the character is now different at the end of the video than they were at the beginning. If the movie opens up with a character that is alone at the end, they're surrounded by people and community. If they're afraid and weak at the end, they're going to be confident and strong. Like, I'm sorry, I'm ruining all the movies for you, but that's just how it goes, right? Otherwise you wouldn't like it. So his title is Two Beginners Instantly Improve, How to Draw What You See. The thumbnail is like the typical before and after, um, but there's this little thing in the middle that is like, this is a drawing before and this is a drawing after. The after is obviously a much better drawing of a face. He opens up the video and instead of being like, here's how you draw better, like most people would do, he instead opens it and says, I asked my wife and my friend Dan to draw this face. Neither one of them can draw. My wife told me that she just can't draw faces, which is a common thing to feel. Maybe you feel something similar. And on, on screen, what's happening is you're seeing her draw the same face before and after. And you're like, what was the thing like that created the transformation that got her to draw like a lot better on the second attempt. And so he taps into this character who she wants something, but she can't have it. She just, there's this internal thing. She's like, I just can't draw faces. And now you're emotionally engaged. You know, and now he turns to the viewer, maybe you feel something similar and gets into the content. So even there, like he takes what would normally just be a step one, step two, step three type of video and turns into a character with desire and obstacles in literally two sentences. Well, three and a half sentences, really. No, two and a half sentences. So yeah, really, really quick. So hopefully that helps us understand the story doesn't have to look a certain way. It just needs to have these elements in there to make people. So at the end, when you are going through this transformation, if you are the character, because so many people listening probably will be the character, you know, what's the transformation if you're not physically drawing or making something? Like give us an example of a transformation that's maybe something that's a little less physical. Yeah, this is this gets harder to do. And so there's a couple ways to like when the transformation all happens up in your head, right? Right, right. Yeah. So two ideas. One is animation can be a solution for this when it's like all in your head and it's really hard to show something, you can animate a story that maybe parallels the one that you're talking. Option two is and a lot of creators do this and now that i pointed out you'll notice it uh, hopefully when they do it is they will talk about the story and the struggle that they're feeling and and the decision they're trying to make and the thing they're trying to overcome and there's nothing visual to show for it but they're using a lot of b-roll and they're just showing like themselves doing something else so for example totally unrelated it would be they they'll go and they'll pick up the trash They'll tie the trash bag while they're talking and you'll watch a story of them taking the trash out to the curb and stuff. And it has nothing to do with the actual story they're telling, but you don't really care because it's more of like a, I'm hanging out with you moment and listening to you as opposed to I'm trying to visually see exactly what it is that you're trying to describe. It's more like a, we're hanging out with a friend here and hearing them process out loud. So you don't need to have visuals that match exactly 
what's happening when it's more of an internal struggle like that. Well, and if we go back to the example of a marketer who's um, struggling to get more reach and exposure because their job is on the line, we could just end the story with, hey, I now know how to do this. And that means I don't have to ever feel this way again. I don't know. That's one thing. You could. Yeah, we try to avoid just flat out stating the principle. Or maybe there's just a climax and and it's over with. I mean, is the character transformation necessary for every story? I'm just curious because sometimes these stories are continuing stories, right? Yes. And that what you're referring to is called like we call it a season of life story where it's like like the business is going through a season right now where you're trying to fix profitability, for example. So you could have a series of videos about that. But the thing that gets the person, the viewer from one video to the next is this unresolved conflict of like, do they get what they want? I saw a little mini episode here and every story, every video does have to be self-sustained story of these elements. But you can always allude to like, this is one story as a part of this bigger story that's trying to get this thing. And and television shows do that like all the time. Like each episode is a self-contained story, but there's still a bigger story of a desire that you don't really get until the last episode of the season or something. Well, even just figuring something out is, you know, having a problem that gets resolved, right, is some sort of a transformation. I figured out how to do something I didn't know how to do before, right? Yeah. It's not necessarily the grand transformation that you would have like in a movie or something like that, right? But it is some sort of a progress, you know, right? Yeah. Casey Neistat standing on the roof cheering when he finally gets his drone. It's uh, Justin Rhodes finally getting all the chickens to where they need to be. And as he, as him and his kids collapsing and you see the exhaustion, but you also see that like the confidence that was built in the kids beginning. They're like, I don't know. Am I doing this right? Dad is what you need. But the end they're like collapsing a heap together. Like I got it. If it's Brad with the building the dresser for its wife, it's the look that the white on the wife's face in the beginning that she doesn't really like this dresser. And at the end, you see her shocked and surprised and so happy with this new thing that that he built. Right. And so if you're going to boil it all down to the essentials of like the things you absolutely can't miss, you need to have a character, you need to have desire and you need to have obstacles. Those are like the bare minimum. If you have that, you have a much better piece of content than you would otherwise normally have. The whole seven fleshes it out to be like, not just like, oh, this was a good story, but I actually like this story. I love this story because it gets the heart involved. It's not just an intellectual exercise of I got some information. It's like the best way to compete with every other educator on YouTube. This is the secret sauce that separates those from the people who stand out above the rest. And everyone else is like, oh, the only language they have to give to it is that, that person just makes good videos. But what's actually happening is the more accurate thing to say is that person makes a human connection with their viewers. They build trust. And that's why they're making a buttload more money than anyone else is because their audience is willing to buy from them. Their audience trusts them. They feel like they have a relationship with them. And that's what drives the business forward ultimately. And the story is the the avenue in which that takes place. Tim, this was some darn good secret sauce. I'm going to tell you, I want me some more. (laughs) Where, Where can people go to discover more about your secret sauce? Where do you want to send them? Yeah. Well, yeah. Like you mentioned, I have a, um, me and some of the other YouTube strategists on my team here, we have a a weekly podcast that we do. It's called video creators. Um, you can just search for it, iTunes, 
um, Stitcher, Spotify, wherever you listen to the podcast. And every week we have a new episode that goes into like more of this next level type of stuff. We're not like your first 1,000 subscribers, guys. We're more like your next million subscribers guy and helping you take the, the momentum you have and taking it to the next level. And so we talk about more of those next level tactics on YouTube for more established creators there every week. So I think that'd be a great place to start. If they want to reach out to you on the socials, do you have a preferred channel or do you have a website you want to send them to? Yeah. Videocreators.com would be the best way to get in touch personally. I mean, I am at Tim Schmoyer on Instagram and Twitter and all those places. Sweet. I'm not very good at those things though. I just do YouTube. <laughs> so Awesome. Well, Tim, thank you so much for coming on and sharing this awesome journey with us. It's been really, really fascinating and I'm super thankful you, you joined us today. Yeah. Well, thanks for having me. Always good to be here. Hey, if you missed anything, we took all the notes for you over at socialmediaexaminer.com slash 485. If you're new to the show, be sure to follow us. And if you've been a longtime listener, let your friends know about the show. I'm at Stelzner on Instagram. This brings us to the end of yet another episode of the Social Media Marketing Podcast. I'm your host, Michael Stelzner. I'll be back with you next week. I hope you make the best out of your day and may social media continue to change your world. The Social Media Marketing Podcast is a production of Social Media Examiner. Hey, just a quick reminder, join the Social Media Marketing Society today and level up your marketing for your company or your clients. Visit smmarketingsociety.com to find out more.